0: Hello, welcome back to part two of One Foot in the Algarve on One Foot in the podcast with your host Tom and returning is Darren. Hi Darren. Hi, Tom. Good to have you back again. Um, well, it's been at least a few minutes since, since I spoke to you. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I haven't seen you for ages. I haven't seen you for, well actually I can see you as I talk. Yeah, we're breaking this down to a two-parter because to release an episode that's probably going to be the best part of four hours long is, is not easy on anyone's ears. So um, let's just, where are we at? So I, I know I summarised things at the end of the last episode, but we were at the point where Mrs. Warboys in Victor's eyes, has, has fallen off the cliff and intoxicated Mrs. Warboys, he can see one of her shoes on the edge of the cliff, the other one at the bottom, uh, quite a scary um, zoom of the camera on her shoe, wasn't it? When, when it, from the top of the cliffs, it really give you that impression that for Victor, it's just scary times. The, ne- the Meldrew's neighbours are looking to come to the rescue, certainly in Hugo, who's dived in to try and find Mrs. Warboys. I think it's uh, yeah, amazing. And meanwhile, we can pick up at a little bit later on into the evening, and I think this is one of your favourite moments, isn't it? I think you quoted it to me when you first got in touch. There's yeah, a Coast Guard, by now the Coast Guard boats are um, trying to search for Mrs. Warboys and you can hear the echo of one of the Coast Guards calling out Mrs. Warboys, Mrs. Warboys! It's amazing. That's really convincing. <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect it to be that uh, That good. I, t- I just love the echo
1: across the, you know, the coast of I know. And they're shouting out for a batty old woman from
0: Britain. This is it. It was quite surreal to hear a Portuguese man calling out Mrs. Wallboys. You never hear anyone, but Victor really refer to her as Mrs. Wallboys. And you've got a um, chap abroad. Well, you know, he's not abroad in his own country, is he? But some woman who's coming over to their country. And uh, yeah, it's, like you say, some batty old, old woman who's got herself into the right pickle. <laughs> On the beach, we've got Victor and Margaret. And you've got Shirley Humphrey all looking on because they've all got something to worry about now because Hugo is in, isn't anywhere to be found, is he? So there's no, two of them. Right. But as they look on, we can see that Hugo is, in fact, uh, being caught up in a fishing net. Uh, it looks absolutely... I don't think that's a man either because it's a close-up shot of this, this actor amongst a load of fish. I think we learn what kind of fish that is later. How I think, in, you know, as he's getting sort of dragged upwards in the net, yeah. his
1: pants there are blue. Are they? I just remember when he jumped off the cliff, they were white.
0: You got quite a thing for his pants, didn't you? Yeah. No, sorry. Nothing wrong with that. Tighty whities are now bluesy woozies. Yeah. I'm just. Really I feel. Like I feel like I want to. Have a look, I feel like I want to have to look at his pants. Yeah, I can't believe I'm encouraging you to do it. Oh, this, but they are. Yeah. It's a different colour, isn't it? They're... Yeah. Would we'll never have picked that up. But the poor bloke gets emptied into the bottom of the the boat with all the fish toppled on on top of him and he's rather conveniently the the fishermen are playing some loud music so they can't hear his screams amongst the engine noise so they don't hear him so he's trapped not only trapped under the boat but with a load of fish this is the ultimate unintentional indirect cock-up by Victor isn't it this is like gone hard on cock-ups it is uh, he's, he's almost killed someone <laughs> mm. so back onto the beach the, there's a policeman addressing Victor and Margaret. Looks just like. I'll tell you who this policeman looks like. I thought it was. Now, this is a Jonathan Creek reference now, but do you remember the episode Coonskin Cap, where the plot was there was someone going around strangling women with, like, um, I don't know what was, something very tight around the neck. Yeah. And you saw, like, a David Crockett hat shadow on the wall. And the oh, main yeah. policeman in that was. I'm not going to give anything away in case you're watching Creek. I know there's someone. I know that Nicky who was one of my guests the lovely Nikki, is currently just getting into Jonathan Creek so I'm not going to spoil it but do you remember that policeman in that? He looks just yeah, like Terence yeah. Hillier is the actor and All I right, thought but... maybe Terence Hillier is, is playing a Portuguese policeman When you say policeman in Jonathan Creek I only think of Rick Mayle Yeah there's only one Copper and uh, yeah, Detective okay. Inspector or whatever his name is yeah Gone too soon I can smell guilt on a man like dung on a donkey
1: What are you going to charge him with? Possession of an offensive haircut.
0: Police officers on this walkie talkie, and or is it a phone? I don't know what it is. It's basically, he says,
2: We'd like you both to go to the hospital mortuary
0: to make an identification. They need to go to the mortuary for an identification, which is a bit of a horrible moment. It's like, oh my God, you know. Now, to us, the viewer, and it's in it's in it's it's a quite a surprise if this was Jonathan Creek right and this is exactly the same plot we wouldn't see Mrs Walboys being collected in the car would we? that would be like the end closing bit where they go through how she went missing but yeah. of course we yeah. know that everyone in everyone in that scene thinks Mrs Walboys has potentially fallen off that cliff in fact has fallen off that cliff but we don't we've got nothing to worry about here have we because we know she's been taken away right so they're gone yeah. it's, so we're thinking what what are we going to see? Because at the mortuary, surely we're not going to see Mrs. Walbus. I was thinking, okay, So there's two mortuary attendants now, like coroners. Um, The a, a man and a woman. The man is speaking Portuguese, and the the, the woman is like translating. Yeah. Uh, so she says, "Sorry to bring you here under such circumstances." And I was thinking, well, there's no other reason to be there, is there? So you're always going to say, "Sorry to be here under such circumstances." I've just been pedantic. And they said, "Prepare yourself." It's, it's not a very pleasant sight. And they, and they tell us that it appears that her foot was bitten off by a shark. I don't know the, the timeline of that, but it'd be quite
1: quick, wouldn't it? Between. Yeah, that's you know, true. They, they, they think Mrs. Warboys has fallen off a cliff. Hugo's jumped in after. Her, and then, as mm. I, I say, I don't know what the timeline is between that, but it's pretty rapid to have her
0: in the mortuary to so have found her. Founder, could be like, like it? well, it could be four or five in the morning for all that we know. And yeah. she's saying her night with Alfonso's finished at 10, half 10 it's possible but mm. i don't know the way they uh is this is this the line where they explain how they found the foot or where they found the foot yeah it is yeah uh... so they found the foot in the stomach of a, of a dead barracuda they being the fisherman and what was it victor says what is this a new version of cinderella by david lynch <laughs> twin peaks he wrote didn't he elephant man does he say that after he sees... Have I gone too far ahead? Is that when he sees the shoe? Yeah, they, they say it was bitten off by a shark and then they, they open the... Right, I'll go back to that. Sorry, sorry. So once they prepare them for the worst and we think, oh, what, what are we going to see? So you think that we're going to see a body without a foot. But what we see is a rather comical foot up to the ankle and you see like, it's quite not a bad bit of um, prop work, is it? It's quite, it looks quite realistic.
1: Yeah, it's very realistic. Um, and then I like, uh, the lady then says, take your
0: time and see if you <laughs> recognise it. And Victor's just doing his... What the, is this, this is it? Yeah. yeah. Coming out with his David Lynch line, new version of Cinderella. Cinderella being the shoe reference, of course. And Victor's comforting Margaret now, isn't he? Showing his... I mean, you've got to. It's, it's, her, it's her best mate, but he's, he's putting an arm around... Margaret, because this is just a ridiculous situation. Margaret stops Victor in his tracks.
3: Just a minute. That's not her foot. for <laughs> me. She had a large bunion on her big toe. She showed it to me two months ago. Are you sure? And she always cuts her toenails neater than that. No, I'm positive. Whoever this belonged to, it definitely wasn't Jean.
0: And she's quite confident this is not Mrs. Wal-Boys foot because she wouldn't let her toenails grow out like that. And she's got a large bunion on her toe. So this can't be it. I just wonder what, what are the audience supposed to make of this? Because like I said, we know that she, she's been rescued by some coast, coast guard people. Yeah. If they, if, they, if, if they uh, wrote it, well, I say they. if Renwick wrote it, so the coast guard people who rest who who, who collected her Were they didn't, they, they appeared quite, um sinister themselves, then that might give us some doubt. Yeah, that's true. Because then we'd be like, well, we know she didn't fall off the cliff, but these two men could have like done something really nasty to him, and pushed her over. But well, they of course, think
1: yeah. yeah, when they rescue her, as they they think they rescue her. they say hospitality or something like that. Yeah. So.
0: so we know she's alright. Yeah. It's uh but when I watched this as a young boy, I, I didn't really I still um invested in this scene thinking, oh, I hope it's not Mrs. Warboys. <laughs> even though we know she's all right yeah. so silly isn't it um it's good yeah. Good it's amazing in the hospital bed have you seen an, a bunion as big as the one we see on mrs wallboys on dory no. is that dory mantle's real bunion because it looks like a sixth toe as far as i'm concerned it's huge um but she is just coming there's a doctor sort of bending her limbs and, and trying to bring her back to uh consciousness because she's obviously been spark out for however many hours and um yeah she's just waking up and in the hospital we also see we see Victor and Margaret about to enter conversation about what's happened but in the foreground we see Mr. Trout you know looking worse for her in the wheelchair like burnt why is he got a burnt face? Oh, he's had no luck, is he? He's looking worse than Mrs. Warboys. He looks, te- I mean, he's obviously fallen out of the uh, the wardrobe onto from, from a fairly tall height. But unless it's just bloodied, but it looked like he'd been
1: sunburned. I yeah, I think I like how they go past Victor and Margaret as well. <laughs>
0: it's funny. we <laughs> weeping past. Yeah. It yeah. is funny. But this is where Victor and Margaret start to fall out a bit. Victor's trying to. Um, Debating who should call Alfonso to say, Look, Jean's gone missing, possibly dead in the waters. And they're a bit wary because, bear in mind, Alfonso's been through all this before. Margaret is in disbelief that Jean was ever left the way she was.
3: I just cannot believe she was left there like that, in that condition, next to a complete sheer drop, in total darkness.
2: I have no point blaming
0: herself. Victor's been having a telling off, isn't he? And so much so that he, she so she accuses Victor, of, I think obviously tongue-in-cheek, not tongue-in-cheek in a comical way, but she wouldn't be surprised if she, he all but tied her up and put in a sack and thrown her in. A bit irrational yeah. and unfair on Victor, I thought. Yeah, it is a bit. I mean,
1: he's never, he'd never do anything like that, but I mean, yeah. what's he referred to as well? A, a plague of locusts
0: with earrings. <laughs> yeah. And just someone who ever, who any came round to um, twice a week to polish off the digestives. <laughs> just a jabbering old bat. But she's a nation probably several years of repressed feelings towards Victor with how yeah. he is with Mrs. Warboys.
3: i never liked the woman as long as you've known her. To you, she was just a gibbering old bat who called round twice a week to polish off our digestive biscuits. <laughs> a plague of locusts with earrings, was it, you called her? You never took a thing she said seriously. Or had so much as a civil word for her. Well, I just hope you're satisfied.
0: Because, you know, I've said in these episodes, does he actually like Mrs. Walbus truly? And now Marcus yeah. says, and you've never really liked Jovi And Victor's sort of Almost childlike, turning his body just to ignore her whilst he looks through the phone book. Yeah. He doesn't really want to take this crap. In the midst of the them squabbling, who comes up behind Margaret? But it's Gene uh, Walpole, who's looking relatively healthy and um, smiley. Margaret's so raging that she thinks it's just some randomer. I'm not on to move for your gauntless dribble. <laughs> Ironically, that's what she was accusing Victor of, of sort of saying to Gene throughout the years, and there's Margaret accidentally. Saying it to, to Jean in the flesh. But it's it is a relief. You know, she's she's safe and well. And it looks like they're having a celebratory barbecue now back at the villa. Probably the same day, isn't it? Those sausages that Victor's cooking look immense. Yeah. Nice close up of him taking them off the barbecue. They look just perfect, like golden brown. Just a little uh, pointless observation for you there. Making me hungry. Yeah. Well, I had a big roast earlier, so I'm I'm not that peckish, but they do look really nice. <laughs> Very short scene, isn't it? Yeah. To... They cut straight to um to Hugo. Uh, not to Hugo. Cut straight to
1: his wife, then, isn't
0: it? Yeah. We're in the in the Shirley and Humphrey and, and Hugo's villa. She, yeah, she's on the telephone. Looks like she's taking a phone call from the police or the hospital. So she learns that Hugo's safe and well. The fisherman has offered to drive him home. Um, and she said he sounded quite tired, but um, he might maybe want to grab some sleep on the way back, or well, she hopes he does. Which cuts straight to an absolute amazing, very very well choreographed. Because poor old Hugo sat in the front next to the most lunatic layback driver you'll ever see, with his first of all handling the steering wheel with his feet, drinking a, a can of lager, and on the telephone. And Hugo looks absolutely out of it, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean the, the driver's even pushed
1: his seat back so far, it's like a recliner, yeah, so he could get his feet up on
0: the seat on the uh, steering wheel. It's the most Hugo just looks drained, and latest. Just... <laughs> i just need to get home. All—all all, he's thinking, I did this, all this for a good deed. At least in his mind, all he's got really is I'm alive, and I did try, but I'm still pissed off. Um, but yeah, loud music in that car, and he's just nothing. It's just a hideous journey for him. Okay, back at the villa, looks like they've had their barbecue, and they're just clearing down. And Victor puts a foil full of hot coal or embers on top of the bin. And there's another Again. dong. Yeah,
1: again, they, that's it. They zoom in on they zoomed in early on the sausages for a reason, so you could see yeah. they're
0: having yeah. a barbecue to set up a later joke. Yeah, well, yeah, it's all, all all relative to the the further gangs coming up, and yeah, because the donkey approaches Victor again, he sort of points. Out, well, I haven't even got anything on today, so still uh, still attracted to Victor's scent. I think by now he must be convinced his aftershave is manky. So the phone the phone rings, and Margaret goes to answer it victor sat in his car reading something i couldn't quite make it out uh all the while trout is hiding in the bushes he's tracked them down um well again he knows where they live obviously but he's he's gone back to by tracking them down i mean he knows that where they're at because now he's just interested in rather than where they are in the villa that she, he's interested in their possessions on them because he suspects that the film can only be with margaret now because he, he couldn't find it in the villa because he had a good old search for it then he previously and he can identify a bag of some of some sort in the car so he he needs to distract victor dunley he? so he chucks a plastic lid of, of sort yeah i think it's like a can or something in it yeah victor does get momentarily distracted i think victor's looking at a, a map actually not a paper they're obviously going somewhere for the day distraction tactic didn't work so he, unfortunately oh god he just went wince when you look at it he, he grabs a well four or five pieces of hot burning coal and does remarkably well not to scream out and then he runs out just as victor conveniently looks away in his car mr trout I don't know why i call him mr trout now trout runs across the screen into the outside cars he puts his hand in the manky old toilet and he, he leans on the the pipes then he and it all collapses and lets out that funny sort of scream. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a really sort of slapstick moment, isn't it? you yeah. got the steam rising off his hand from the toilet bowl and then the <laughs> like system hitting him on the head. <laughs> yeah. There's another bit in that as well, where we're, um they're talking about the aftershave again and I can't remember who says it, but they say who did the market marketing research department for that. Was it muffin the mule?
0: <laughs> Forgot that. I didn't write that down. So Victor is again only momentarily distracted that this toilet's basically collapsed on trowel. <laughs> And he goes back indoors. And then we are now, um, I think Victor, doesn't he say, I'm just going to go next door to apologise to the neighbours? Yeah. Well, to Hugo anyway. So we're now back in the villa. The villa is quite spacious and it just looks a bit more clean and, and airy, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's, it's if... well kept, isn't it, villa? Not like the the jokes. Yeah. Yeah, Hugo returns. Shirley is... I oh, should also point out that they're having plumbing issues, aren't they? Well, the hot water's not working in their villa, they've mentioned already. This is just before Hugh, Hugo comes home. We do learn that the, the heating, the hot water's not quite working. But when Hugo arrives, Shirley's pleased to see him. Humphrey is, is only interested in his mood. How do you feel? It's not really like, are you, are you okay, son? Uh, where Shirley is playing wifey in a gentle way. He is pissed, isn't he? Quite rightly. Very angry. And he's so much so, he wants to. Well, he, he, he runs through all the things that's happened to him.
2: I just spent seven hours of total sensory deprivation throwing up and pulling live herrings out of my underpants. <laughs> I want to be driven back here by a trained chimp inside a vehicle with all the comfort of a runaway cement mixer. <laughs> All because wacky races across the road tells me someone's fallen into the sea when all that's happened is her bloody shoes come off. <laughs> you want to know how I feel.
0: Followed by wanting to pick up a light shade and he wants to throw it, but he's, he's stopped by Shirley because she's a little bit disappointed that he's willing to go that far with his anger. But Humphrey's, yeah. Humphrey's relieved because he's, I knew he was always in there. Yeah. Mission accomplished for dad, I suppose. Yeah, he's definitely um, riled there. She's run a bath for him. So he's he's going to enjoy a soak shortly. He does give a good, Hugo, this is, gives a good description of his journey home. And we're back at the villa again and Trout is rooting through the handbag of Margaret and he does find the film quite a lot of relief on his face and he notices Victor, Margaret, and Jean are coming back out of the villa, so he um, quickly puts all the belongings back in, and I think he gets his coat stuck, doesn't he, in the car? Yeah, so, yeah. he goes to, um, I don't know whether, because I'm sure Victor left
1: it open, but he gets in, he gets the film, but as he gets out, he slams the door, but then
0: it catches the corner of his coat, and as he's trying to open it, it's locked. Yeah, yeah, um, and we we assume he's put that film in his in his coat pocket. But he knows that he's got to uh, quickly take that coat off. He's he's got to just—he can't risk anything right now. So he takes the coat off, leaves the coat inside the the car, half out of the car, and he goes back into hiding again, doesn't he? Yeah, he's hiding in the hedge now. Yeah, and this is the moment. Sorry, that fixes. I need to go across the road to apologise about last night. And meanwhile, Margaret does see the coat. Um, and she doesn't really ask any questions about it. And right in the moment, she spots a recycling lorry, isn't it, that comes up?
1: Yeah, it's in um, the, bin the man or... bushes. Yeah, the bin just sort of throwing everything in the back and about to drive off, and Margaret stops him and gets him to take the coat.
0: Yeah, and you think, oh, God, poor old Trout. He's got to keep searching for this film, but uh, he's, the camera is on Trout now, and he's got to, fur- for the first time since probably... First couple of scenes, he's smiling because he's got the roll of film in his hand, so that's a relief. He doesn't need to worry about the coat. He um he's happy, so that ends that scene. Meanwhile, Jean and Alfonso are having a a nice chat in the garden, very summery afternoon still. I think it's barely a week since they met. I think it's referenced, and he's proposing something. I think it's marriage. We don't really know for sure at the, in this scene, but it, I think it's obvious it's some sort of proposal. And as there, I think Gene might be bouncing around saying no or just she's quite flattered but nevertheless his, his telephone rings and he says it's business I must answer it she goes off to get a drink whilst he um, answers, to, answers his cordless uh, telephone a very, a very short scene because that takes us now to the um, trout in. he's getting his film uh, processed slightly grovelling on the telephone to his editor
2: tell you what I'll do, new offer I'm prepared to let you have it for a hundred grand, less the cost of processing and developing, which, uh, according to my notes here, comes to nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-five pounds sixty-seven p. Or about five quid for every bone I've had broken in my body, getting the bloody thing back.
0: Uh, what's the twist here? What What do we find out? Uh, next up, the. The,
1: the guy who works, he brings the photographs over um, and then Trout's sort of thumbing through them and it's all pictures of Victor, Margaret, a oh, couple of the donkeys, yeah. I think, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And he sort of, he just gets so angry, He's going. he starts blaming the guy. And he's, going, yeah.
0: he's on the phone. And he gets a bit um, offended than the trap who uh, runs, the, I assume he runs it or works there as a manager yeah. or whatever. He's quite, I don't yeah. know, this is what he gave me, mate. And this is where we kind of have, Trout, he's looking back to all the commotion at the train station. A bit a bit Jonathan Creekish, isn't it? Thinking about what happened back in that train station at Victoria Street. So we're now again it's the flashback to Margaret and he having a bit of uh, a squabble at the phone booth and Margaret's bits and pieces going everywhere. I bet I'm
2: it's coming back to me now. For some reason. She never had it in the first place because it never fell on the floor in the first place because I'd already put it back in my pocket. I have travelled halfway across bloody Europe getting half killed looking for a roll of film that all the time was inside the lining of my own bleeding jacket.
0: (laughs) He realises that the film was in his pocket the whole time and the audience empathise with the, with the groan, don't they? Like, oh no, you've been through all of that. You've okay. been to Portugal and back. Well, not back yet, but you've been all the way to Portugal gone through all the pain you've been through to realise that it was in your pocket the whole time. Classic. All along, <laughs> it was in his jacket pocket. Yeah, Because he did put it on the side of the, uh, the payphone, which we saw a clear shot of, but when Victor interrupted him, on the telephone through his ranting, subconsciously thought, I need to pick this up, and he put it in his pocket. It's a real unfortunate when He now knows he's got to go back and find his coat, because he's just been chucked in the uh, the bin, with the bin men, so, yeah, poor old uh, Mr. Trout. Do you feel sorry for him in-, 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 in I know he's a paparazzi guy, and he's taking pictures of someone's private life and whatever, but do, do you feel sorry for him at all?
1: I don't feel sorry for I th- You feel like he's been battered, bruised, you know, burned cut yeah. everything yeah. so you do think oh god this poor poor guy he's got no luck but again he's he's chasing money you know he's, he's chasing you know like you would... said this these dodgy pictures of you know private pictures that he's yeah. going to get printed yeah so i think i think they make him a sort of greedy character
0: yeah so that it's, it's hard to feel sympathy for him mind you 100 grand I, I, I probably i feel like i might do similar to him and, and try and track down Hundred grand of with all my might and energy. What was in nineteen ninety three. That was that was worth a lot. Yeah, two hundred and five <laughs> grand. I, I, so the inflation oh, calculator told me as of twenty nineteen. Your head. <laughs> as, Yeah, just you know, rough festival. <laughs> <laughs> That's unfortunate. That's a uh, ball ache for him. <laughs> so um, every other ache as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're back in Alfonso's kitchen with Jean rooting around for a bottle or something, and she she can't find anything that's that's suitable and uh she's just she's just being a nosy Jean, isn't she she's been a nosy parker yeah and she by fluke, discovers she walks on the crack tile on the floor to to discover the key for the cellar so she makes what she knows there's a wine cellar in there she Probably. Does, i think she, she assumes it
1: yeah like the again the crack tile's clever because he referred to that earlier than you see him accessing yeah. the key yeah it? and then she sort of finds it and then yeah, and then she's, she's walking down. Like, and it, I just remember from this bit, there's a massive rat, about oh, four foot from her. It's
3: huge,
0: huge rat. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's a bit a lot of tension now, isn't there? Because she's in the wine cellar. She she doesn't know about the, the keg, the mysterious keg of of um, the trunk full of whatever could be in there. And Alfonso, we we were a bit suspicious of him at this point. He his telephone call now. It's a bit cat and mouse as he's making his way back inside, he's probably thinking, gosh, he's been a while. And No, it's uh, not that as well as he's walking her. I don't know if it's me, Roger, but
1: they zoom in on his shoes as he's walking up. Yeah. I don't know whether that's to sort of put in our mind the shoes of, of his wife. Possibly. Uh, yeah. Again, bit. he's quite sort of sinister walking back and yeah. you think, what's going to happen?
0: Yeah. Gene's just been nosy as ever, just rooting around all the uh wine bottles and um, just by chance, she pulls out a bottle of wine and she finds the the, the cloth wrapped shoes. But they weren't there before, were they? He found he had them in the some cabinet drawer. The yeah, drawer. in his cabinet. Drawer. Yeah, and she looks very bewildered. And I think it's at this point we have a bit of a scare jump, don't we?
2: What are you doing?
0: Yeah. So she, I think she
1: pulls out. Yeah, the the shoes are behind the bottle of wine that she pulls out. Mm. And then it lines up. She obviously realizes their shoes. Yeah. Starts sort of questioning. Yeah. And notices something that, as she said, most men or most people wouldn't
0: notice. It's a scary. It's a, it's a, quite an eerie scene because it's, it's anything but a sitcom at this point. I know this is a feature-length film, but it's it's dramatized massively. We're finally gonna hopefully learn a little bit more about this secret that alfonso has been hiding and she rhetorically sort of asks him that you know you've kept them this as in the shoes you kept them the whole time she's just clarifying these are the shoes you wore that she wore that she went missing and he, and he nods a yes so he's it's quite relieving that he's looking sad and not angry so he's like yeah yeah this is this is what um she wore he just wants jean to put the shoes down and, and uh jean jean then disagrees that she never did fall from the cliff. Look at them.
3: Can't you see? Couldn't anyone see? What's staring you in the face? I.
0: They're both left shoes. Very brave of her just to come out with this theory, doing a Columbo, and she pointing out some huge revelation that the, like you said, these shoes are both left shoes. Yeah. I'm sorry. How? How has he not noticed that after? what she'd been gone two or three years now? And the and the uh, police and everyone who involved they just never notice. But never I suppose is. they are very similar. She did say that, you know, they're, they're two left shoes from different pairs, not identical, but similar enough that you could they could go and notice. But very Creek vibe, this is no woman would ever
1: have made this mistake. I thought so. Someone in a hurry sort of grabbing them.
0: She said it is similar enough to you know, to get confused. Mrs. is Warboy, so Dory Mantle is an amazing job of narrating, not narrating what could have happened, but it does draw you in, doesn't it? Like, oh my God, this is... Uh... So we're now thinking this is... We're not even thinking it is spelled out to us. His ex-wife, well, I'll say ex-wife, wid- he's not really a widow at all. She has left him and purposely uh, staged her own death. Come out of nowhere. Alfonso, of learning this, he sort of backs Jean almost into a corner and he gets like this huge knife and you think, oh my God, he's going to do her in. The scene ends. So that's left us on a bit of a cliffhanger again with Jean and Alfonso. Hugo's in the lush looking bath. Shirley and Hugo's villa. Yeah. Like a ground level um, marbled floor bath and Shirley's pouring in kettle after kettle of hot water because obviously the, the boiler's broken. So he's just led back, eyes closed, just saying this is bliss. With an apologising, Mr Mildrew at the doorway. Was, he needs to at least say a few words of gratitude as well as an apology to Hugo. So Shirley welcomes Victor. Well, no, she sort of says to sort of wait there, doesn't she? Or does she yeah, get him I in? Know. I don't know. And rather she tells him to wait there in a sec, I think. That's right, yeah. So I don't know how long she expects him to wait, given that Hugo is in the bath, so... That could be a long yeah. while wait, but um, it's the least he can do, I suppose. For, as Shirley walks off to, um, I should presumably fill up the kettle, Victor is followed in by accompanying donkeys. Or oh, just one, <laughs> sorry, donkey, which panics Victor, of course, because he's not only, he's first of all, he's already in trouble with his family and he doesn't want a, he needs to be seen with a donkey in their house and he's not supposed to be in there, he's supposed to be at the, the doorway. So, very funny, very slapsticky. He's trying to manoeuvre the donkey out of the, the uh, villa. Basically, he ends up in the bathroom where Hugo is um, starkers in the bath, uh, thankfully with his eyes shut at this point, so he's got a small chance to get away a bit. As the donkey and Victor end up in the bathroom, before Victor it could do anything about it, the donkey goes for the longest pee I've ever seen by any animal. <laughs> the, the gag works well because, obviously, I assume... Most urine is warm, so poor old Hugo is in the moment enjoying it. Nice. So
2: That's nice. they are doing a terrific job. It's lovely.
0: It's just <laughs> funny to see. <laughs> And it sounds like someone pouring in, in, uh, in water if you've got your eyes shut. I don't know. It, it's, um, it doesn't last for long before he opens his eyes. And, of course, that scene cuts just in time because... <laughs> it's, it's a good angle, that, and it reopens his eyes and you can see like, yeah, the shot of
1: Victor. Oh, it, it just looks like he's forcing that donkey to pee in there. I know. He he's must got his legs
0: split. and <laughs> this psychopath? I think yeah. if, I was, if I was Victor, I would have I would have run back to that doorway because it's not your fault that the door's open. They don't know why the donkeys followed them, so that's the best way you could play, isn't it? Yeah, I so I don't know. But Victor's obviously doing all he can not to pee them off. No pun intended. Pee them off any further than he already has. But of course, when that scene ends, night time in the villa, and now we see <laughs> Margaret spoon feeding an injured victor he's got like one half of his face sort of swollen margaret says
3: should have expected it really all the people on holiday in portugal you have to pick a fight with a professional boxer (laughs) Can't wonder he went berserk i should think that's the first time a donkey's ever been floored with a left hook
1: I felt sorry for the donkey when I first yeah. saw that. I thought, oh, I it's mean, it's Victor. I
0: could, you know, he's had a, a guts full of Victor. So, <laughs> but the donkey. <laughs> Maybe Hugo just missed because he's supposed to be not the best boxer. And he well, caught yeah. the donkey. But <laughs> y- you can also assume that he's taking his anger out on the animal because he's had such a terrible 12 hours, 24 hours that he didn't care. I wonder, I wonder if Victor put the donkey in the way. Yeah. Did he hide behind the donkey? I don't know. <laughs> but he still got hit because when victor tries to respond he he can barely he's inaudible, isn't he? You can't hear him or hear what he's saying it's, he's just mumbling it's it's very funny
2: it's
1: on the right side of Victor's face, so mm. perhaps he's floor the donkey with the
0: left and victor with the right, probably yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> Margaret seems to have calmed down a little bit because she's obviously interested in helping Victor, you know. She's yeah. a bit more mellow than she was early in the day or yesterday or whenever when she was feeling insecure and a bit angry. It's getting a bit late now because Jean is still out. She'd probably be back by now. She's getting a bit worried. But she does say that Alfonso's, you know, proposed to her. So there's it's confirmation that he it was a pr- proposal in mind. So yeah, either, she's a, um, either Alfonso has mentioned in advance to, uh, to Margaret that he's going to propose, or she's just guessing. Or did Jean, Jean suspect that she might do? I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's it. I think the line is, she said she had a feeling Alfonso yeah, might propose that's to it, today, yeah.
0: but probably Mrs
1: Walboys has, um, has said to her that he's going to propose tonight, I believe. Or, but then she's a bit
0: concerned why Jean's so late. This is it. So that's, that leads Margaret to make a telephone call. There's no answer. When Margaret is trying to call Alfonso, he is just sat there, as still as a statue. Well, he's in in it looks like a carved wooden chair, doesn't it? And he is ignoring yeah. the telephone. It looks like he's just done something very evil, um, because there's no gene, and he's sat there motionless, isn't he? It's pitch black. Well, there's a bit of lighting, but if- yeah. Yeah, it's it's very dark. So she's getting increasingly worried, and, and she says...
3: It's ever since you said that, about why there were no pictures of his wife. And that night in the restaurant, with those murder stories, why would he get all agitated? I think we should go over there, Victor. Now.
0: She, she references what Victor said earlier in, in the evening. She seems to understand what Victor's saying and we don't know what he's I think he's just saying. It's, it's, it's alright, you know what she's like. But she goes it's ever since you said about the photographs the lack of photographs of his ex so that's made Margaret ever so suspicious of things so she can't get that out of her head. They're they they they're willing to go and pick up and that is when Margaret is definitely worried now But we need to go and pick her up. Um, And Victor sort of plays it down. And just as they're getting ready to go out, putting their coats on, the camera sort of follows Margaret behind her. It's it's, quite horror. It's like a horror scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. As she opens the door, who do we see? Gene? (laughs) Mrs. Wallboy stood in shock. Um, I couldn't work out when I first watched this. Has she just been stabbed in the back or something? Like, you know, like when you first watch this, you think, is he just... But of course, we know he's at his house, that hasn't obviously not happened, but she has had one hell of a night because she collapsed in the arms of Victor, and that ends the scene with a quite a dramatic bit of music as well, like did yeah. do yeah, and this it's is... sort of running along the corridor, and it? it's not yeah. like a smooth
1: thing, you yeah. know he's quite and then she just Mrs. Warboy she does look like she's had a knife put in her back, like you yeah. said, okay, yeah, the next day it's sort of a shot of a beautiful blue sky, and then it cuts to um. Mrs. Warboy sort of reflecting on on she's been deceiving herself and yeah, ignoring what her insides have been telling her and she's talk, talking
0: about her and, and Alfonso, And she's there to sort of tell the story now, isn't she, what, what's what's what been happening? Why does she collapse faint? I know she's been through a lot and we'll learn, but if you think about it, why does she just... The shock she,
1: of yeah? she says it all got a bit too much for... I think she says, oh, sorry about the palaver, but it yeah. just all got too much for me and... Does it explain how she got back? She drive, or
2: I don't
0: know. But so what's happened then? So Mrs. Walboys tells the story, doesn't she, and it helps us to view it. Obviously, she's referring then to um, Alfonso
1: saying about when she just talked about his ex, not ex, but you know, his um, his wife. That something happens to his eyes, so we don't really yeah. know yet if he has done something, you know, yeah, crazy. And then it sort of cuts to her then in the. In the wine cellar, and then again, it's like a different angle of her and Alfonso. That's um, right, yeah. And then she cut. They cut back to Mrs. Warboys in the bed, and she says,
3: "His wife had faked her own death to go and live with someone else."
0: Which is a massive revelation, isn't it? It's not that he killed her at all. It's uh, well, or no, there's no sorry. From going back from before, where like, we had these doubts, like has he killed her? No, yeah. She 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 faked her death, and so she she talks about the shoes. And everything else—the handbag—and um, just yeah, just to live with someone else. She did went to all this effort. How he absolutely adored Maria. Yeah, I mean they,
1: they explain it well because first of all, you think what, and then you see Margaret, you know, saying you know, fade own death, and then Mrs. <laughs> Warboy, she's saying, well, Alfonso worshipped Maria. She was his life. She knew mm. if she'd run away, he'd follow her.
0: Yeah, he just. Like he looks, he just comes across as the type that would just try and track you down. And um, obviously, the with part of that flashback, we can see what he used the knife for, which of course was to open up the lid of the keg, and it had all of her belongings, and he kept everything. So obviously, clothes, all the photo frames, makeup, just a whole pile of garbage, basically. Because I think he was looking for the a diary, and he was trying yeah. to go through. Friends and family in her diary to see if he could track her down. And he remembered a business trip she went on to Faro to see a colleague, a male colleague, and he sus- half suspected at the time something could be going on. But he found his yeah. number, and of course, we see Alfonso in the flashback calling this um, number, and Maria answers. We see, we do actually see that the actress who plays Maria
2: mm.
0: answer it, and she's you just hear her saying Alfonso. It's, I don't know how he reacted to that really, like he must have been a changed man, I suppose, in that moment. Spend sort of all that time thinking his wife was, you know, d- drowned.
2: Yeah. And
1: always, at that point, I always
0: know, notice the age gap. I don't
1: know if it's... Yeah, it's she's, like, in her early age 50s.
0: Age that Maria looks early 50s, and he's possibly 70, late 60s. Because the, the guy, which I thought was more like that, because the guy
1: that she's with, when they're sort of washing the dog, I mean, he looks a lot younger.
0: Yeah. She's definitely traded him in. <laughs> Yeah, younger model, yeah. And I also written down here, how the hell did she get back? Yeah, it's pitch black, and I don't know, maybe she got a taxi. She couldn't have driven because the Melgers had the car, so mm. was it walking distance? I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you what, okay, so what I noticed was when she and Alfonso in the flashback were going through all this commotion, not commotion, but revealing what's happened to his, what, well, who he's to be, late wife, it's broad daylight when she gets yeah. back to the Meldries, it's pitch black. So did she go on some sort of bender? Maybe that's why she collapsed. She just went off and went to various yeah. wine bars. I don't know. True. But I tell you what was funny about um, Mrs. Wallboy's recounting what's happened is it's gone from quite solemn and sad and a bit tragic to Victor trying to speak.
2: I all this could but you probably look like this,
3: you You never said a truer word Mr. <laughs> and I appreciate that very much.
0: <laughs> and, yeah. um, and he can't understand what he says. <laughs> Is it what on earth has he said? Do you think she do you think she and Margaret seem to be able to understand what he says but we the viewer don't seem to understand it at all but whether they're just humoring him I don't know. It does clear up a few things. And and also, I put a tweet out there the other day to say, like, Mrs. Walbois felt I just need to go now because he's only interested in Maria. But I just thought, surely once Alfonso's had it sunk in that she's done this to him, he'd be like, get out of my life for good. Like, that's fine. You were supposed to because, yeah, you're willing to do this much. Or you're willing to do this much effort to get out of my life, then you need to stay out of my life, really. Um, yeah, so that's, to push someone through that—that's horrific, and yeah, you know, terrific. years of—and then it sort of
1: cuts to um, you see Mrs. Warboys, you know, saying sort of goodbye to Alfonso, and I yeah. think she says when he, I think he, what does he say? I'll contact you in a few days, but she said there and then,
2: nothing I changes. I'd never,
1: never speak to him again, mm.
0: which is a bit. You thought at the very least they might might write, she she might write to a letter again to say like, what's going on now? Then are you okay? Are you? Trying to track down Maria. And
1: then the next bit was that what we said earlier about she says, Sorry, I was in a bit of a state last night, but That's it's all it. not
0: for sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't really explain her, the whole daylight to night time thing, unless she was just there consoling him all night. But when she left, it was definitely daylight, wasn't it? You know, when you said, yeah. It looks like it's dusk, to be fair, like it's heading into evening, but just being pedantic as ever. It's just, me, it. I'm just watching it with the subtitles and it, it
1: does subtitle what Victor says. Does it? But it, it changes letters. It's, according to this, he it says, It's begged that this came out now, gathered and later. So they they've changed a lot of the letters. <laughs> which I thought was quite good.
0: That is quite I was gonna say it would have spoiled it in a way if if um they revealed what he said, but And it says Ingact, every ging's gurned out for the guest. <laughs> I guess if you listen carefully you can make out some of the words he speaks, but largely... It's in all <laughs> Yeah. Same day, we're now at the garbage disposal land, landfill, and Trout climbs up the uh, top of the junkyard. I tell you what, does very well to find his jacket. It's sort of conveniently placed um, in, in, in his eyeline. Maybe he's followed that particular lorry. He's got, got a taxi and caught up with the lorry, and just seeing where it's dropped off the he could garbage. have been searching for hours, couldn't he? He'd yeah. There all day. He he climbs in, and this is like the depths he'll go to to get this back. Of course, when he retrieves the jacket, there's nothing in it, is there? No. So he, he realises that, oh, no, there's not only nothing in the pocket, he falls over, loses footing, and then more garbage is tipped on top of him, so more pranks played on him through fate and his actions just it's quite clever how the garbage falls to the screen to it like ends that shot doesn't it it goes black yeah you get engulfed with it downtown in somewhere in Algarve very very pretty village um the three of them them being Margaret Victor Jean having something to eat breakfast maybe al fresco they're all looking a bit worn out and, and dazed aren't they? after a very bizarre trip yeah So Margaret comes up with a very funny line, like she just said.
2: strange.
3: I wasn't all that keen on coming to Portugal at first. But now that we're about to leave, I never want to see the bloody place again as long as I
0: live. She finds it ironic. She didn't want to go to the archive, and now it's the last day. Um, You think she's going to say, I don't want to go, but she says, I never want to see the bloody place again for as long as I live. (laughs) It's a funny bit of misdirection with her thought process. The good thing about a miserable holiday is you look forward to going home. Home, yeah. Even though how good, good a holiday I've had, I I still look forward to going home. It's, yeah. As they say, there's no place like home. But yeah, it's... This is War Boys with the... Uh,
1: she reminds them about a previous holiday.
2: so yeah, that's the good thing about having a really miserable holiday. It makes the going home such a positive joy. <laughs> Last time I got back from a holiday abroad, to find our house that had been demolished. Oh, yes, Fanny, you
3: can laugh about it now. can't. you <laughs> I suppose you can't really.
0: Nice little yeah. throwback, isn't it, to in Luton Airport with an E screen? How would you ever laugh about your house burning time? I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, she's quick. She reminds herself that they've got some um, photos that she's had developed.
2: Oh, yes, I haven't seen those yet, have I? Is another album's worth? Uh,
3: yes. And that roll of film, you know, we thought we'd lost. Found it in the car yesterday. Must have fallen out of someone's pocket or something when they were in the back seat.
0: I think she's looking for a passport, and then realizes the photos um, that she had developed. They, they'd uh, found the roll of film that they thought they lost. Uh, but she found it in the car. So it's obviously not the one Trout picked up obviously we know that because he he had their photos developed so she looks at. she gets the photos out and she says this should be the first day that we drove down the mountains and the, there's muse the music that is played now is that central music from scene one it's quite a good time with all the the lust of the couple who we think it might be a member oh. of the royal family Maybe yeah that's it yeah <laughs> and <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so anyway when she looks at the photographs she is absolutely um, horrified Uh, she looks appalled she can see the photos that belong to Trout they're obviously pornographic is that
2: surely not was it someone who just looks like him it
3: can't be him where did this come from
0: And uh, I like how she says... Do you see
3: what they're doing in this one, Mr. Miltro? You... Something beginning with H.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> funny how what she... was that? <laughs> it is interesting how Jean refers to Victor when saying uh, this one's beginning with H. I always wonder if there's some sort of sexual... Underlying tension between victim and Gene that we don't, that we're not supposed to, that's not what it is. I don't know, it is, a, it is an image and a half, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, is that, is it is that episode in which she's convinced? Do you remember when he writes the, is it of its letter? Or is it the Italian guy writes it and
0: Victor's? The chip, the, the chip owner wants to write a letter to one of his lovers. So yeah. to writes it in his handwriting and and has it in an envelope and yeah, Mrs. Warboys knows and who she is. Enrico. Yeah. Is it Amri- That's it. Yeah, and she reads it and thinks he's after her. <laughs> if she re- if she'd read that whole letter, she'd see that. If Victor didn't sign it, she only read like a few sentences and chucked it away, didn't she? Yeah. And One for another, another time. <laughs> yeah. Margaret, sorry, Jean, um, is appalled by the photos, and after they've all gulped at them, they. Jean chucks them away. It's like, oh, you can make some serious money out of that if only you knew. I don't think they're that, that type, are they, to sell that kind of? But they do. Yeah. They do sort of speculate, well, not speculate, but they're all like, "How can they? Can't be him. Surely it's a um, double, yeah. double. Yeah. That's like say. So. I think
1: she takes it off. Victor, Victor's sort of looking at it, and she removes it quickly and dumps it in the bin.
0: Yeah, yeah, but hidden around the corner like a detective um he's tracking them down again trout is finally winning because he grabs the photos from the bin yeah i mean he's got by now he's got a burnt face probably burnt hands bruises bruises everywhere uh neck brace. neck brace he's in uh crutches or a crutch and he he calls um he catches a taxi he's wearing that jacket that's just shredded yeah, he's just an absolute mess. But he, in his mind, he's he's got the money now. The taxi does not look like a taxi. I don't think it is a taxi, is it? But no, it just sort of pulls up, doesn't it? He, well, he flags it down. He flags it down, and and the chap, I think it's supposed to be the fact that the driver, in speaking in Portuguese, saying he thinks he's having a heart attack. Trout just ignores him, sits in the back seat. Sits in the back seat, and then you see
1: the the guy who looks awful. He sort yeah. of let slumps forward, and then. Yeah, his, his foot comes off there after the break, and you see um, trout in the background kissing the photos.
0: And they're going to full pelt, aren't they, down this tiny alleyway almost? Brilliant shot, and it you see Mrs. Warboys and the Mel Jews,
1: and it's on a quite a hill, isn't it? And, it's on a really steep you see the car. Pelt. Bombing past, <laughs> yeah.
0: And inevitably the car crashes and you hear the, ah, scream from, for the final time, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hear that. And, but he's still, I don't know what kind of damage would have happened to Trout, but I don't know if he would have died you know, in, in this, but he's got the photos, so that's all that matters. Um, mm. He's got, had to go through hell and back to get them, but he's got them at last. Yeah, I think what I noticed just as uh, that the car whizzed past, you can faintly hear Gene offering to drive them back to the airport and Victor quipping with like, a usual sarcastic comeback, probably something like, oh, no, we'll probably miss the flight, but you can't quite <laughs> make out what he says. The, bit of, that's the crescendo of that scene, or the whole thing, ends with Trout screaming and the car crashing, and that ends the, the film we call it a film, and pretty cool that the closing credits has got basically highlights of the of the footage. Which they, they don't really do anymore, do they? With films, you know, when they have no. the end credits, it's true. But I, um, a bit, bit of a first, mix, isn't it?
1: Yeah, first few times I watched it, I didn't really, I, I sort of watch it for a bit and turn off. But I didn't realize that. Have you noticed, um, Eric Idle? He's recorded another verse to the to the end tune. You know,
0: the, the yeah, usual. it's like a, a cheesy, funky pop thing, which I've, I I. Yeah. N- Part of it at the end of a previous um, episode, and uh, I thought it was quite funny. Like Eric Idle looks he's a lot younger than he does now, but he looks old back then. He's got this mullet, uh, and Richard Wilson even joins in. He's playing a cameo role in the, in the music video. If you watch it yeah. on YouTube, you can see it. Have, to have a
1: look. Um, yeah. I just thought it was good. How he had to obviously re recorded it, they must have, and then he adds another
0: bit, uh, verse to the, yeah. to the lyrics. He's so added it more me. lyrics, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I'll I'll put a link to it, link to the uh, video in the in the podcast description. Yeah, that'd be great. But you'll be able to find it if you just listeners out there just type in one foot in the Grave" um, single or pop mix or something. It's it's really cheesy, but it's funny. Highest viewing episode of the whole series: twenty million, I think. Not, I think even higher than the final ever episode. They didn't have to compete with Millionaire. No, that's the thing. Uh, I don't know if, if the ITV slime balls didn't clash. The First Millionaire winner. I would have thought that Things Aren't Simple Anymore would have got a lot more viewings. I can't, I can't see officially what they got, but apparently this episode, Algarve, is the highest viewing episode. Summary then. So the episode um, had this festival. Well, in the making of this, they actually hired film crew in, from Portugal. So they did use casting directors from Portugal, apparently. And production assistants. I suppose that might be the agreement. If you're going to film in a different country, you have got to use some of their homegrown talent, if you like. Yeah. I with the, going back to the uh, the music they played. You, I, I went on to Amazon, and you can buy the One Foot in the Grave album. It's just got six tracks, uh, but they're all called uh-huh. One Foot in the Grave. But they've also got slightly different variations of lyrics. Yeah. Mixes. <laughs> that sounds good. The only episode. Where Doreen Mantle is credited in the main titles along Richard Wilson and Annette Crosby at the start. Usually, it's just those two, but she gets quite rightly accredited yeah. right in the opening uh, credit. they sort of centre around
1: Mrs Warboys, it's the whole reason they go there. isn't yeah. it? So yeah, she's and she plays a brilliant part.
0: I wonder if it'd have been overkill if they had or if they had room for uh, Mr Sweeney. To get involved, <laughs> yeah it was they had forty minutes of extra material before they edited it. They had to cut out so much. So, if you if, can you imagine if they had mis, Mrs. Uh, sorry, if they had Mister. swaney that would have been so much material. Yeah. That would have been even harder for them to cut down. That's a lot—an extra forty minutes. Because I mean, it's yeah. what was it,
1: ninety something
0: minutes? Yeah, it anyway. was about ninety minutes. Yeah, but they could have done part one and part two
1: if the money was there. I, but... I was just thinking that, like, yeah, because it was sort of Christmas time when it was. Did we say it
0: was Boxing Day? It was, it was brought out. Couldn't they have done part one, part two? Yeah, I don't know. I know, I, I really don't know. If you're talking plot holes, not that clear how Martin Trout managed to track them down in Algarve, but he obviously did. In, in the Richard Webber book, there's talk of other sitcoms. They tend to rest on their laurels and with, when they make a special and they, and they um, don't really have too much material. They just stretch it out, whereas Renwick's gone the other way. He's got too much. Too much quality stuff, and you have to cut so much. I just I would love to know what they had to remove. It took about seven weeks uh, of filming, apparently, and it was very touch and go with the weather, which used up a lot of time. Susie Belbin had her director's <clears throat> notes half inched from her car when they went out before filming on a recce. So that was a gutting. I think uh, she was close to breaking down when she lost those notes. Luckily, obviously, they went ahead with it anyway. We- we've also mentioned Peter Cook. He didn't quite follow the script entirely, but he's got that much respect that Remick allowed him to slightly adapt some of the one-liners. That's, I think, that's what makes Algarve my favourite one. Is the fact that you have got Peter Cook in it.
1: Yeah. And then you, I always think like the test of a good sitcom because situation comedy tends to only work, you know, in their sort of bubble, you know, in the yeah. in the house. And but yeah. taking it abroad, then it sort of makes or breaks it. And I think it's it's as funny in yeah. Algarve as it is back at you know Nineteen Riverbank.
0: Yeah, they they just made it work, didn't they? They made yeah. this work really well. Uh, there was a problem with it, because they had to cut a lot of snippets of, of film out. Apparently, with the scene with the shoe shop lady who choked on a the sandwich, there's a bit they cut out. She warned Vic not to stand near any jellyfish in the sea, um, which would have led to her sucking his toe to extract the poison, yeah. uh, which Margaret would the have the inevitably walked in on. But they cut that out. But that would have been hilarious, I think. That would, I can't remember Oh, good job one misses Warboy's toes. Oh, my God. Especially the bunion. <laughs>
1: oh, it's been a lot about toes,
0: hasn't it, this episode? Uh, yeah, yeah. This episode. Apparently, the uh, following the donkey piss scene where Margaret's spoon-feeding Victor, her lines are dubbed in because the, there was some previous dialogue about the jellyfish that she spoke mm-hmm. of about toe-sucking. So, apparently, if you watch that back, you'll see that Annette Crosby's had to dub over some of her lines because because there's talk of the jellyfish scene. Yeah. It wouldn't have made sense to us because of how they cut it. So you yeah, to go go back and watch that. But yeah, I I, I absolutely adored this episode. It's um it's a ten out of ten for me. It's it'd probably be my top three or four, uh, with Endgame, Rearranging the Dust, Algarve, definitely. Surprisingly, there's quite a few fans who don't really appreciate this speech length, I think it's plenty amazing. That's just me. Yeah. I, I think it's brilliant uh, It
1: is, like, it is much, I like the, the sort of normal episodes that are shorter but I think um, you know having Algarve you know, an hour and a half it's just yeah. like I remember sitting down to watch it as a kid and in my teens and thinking oh great it's a bit like I know we keep going back to Only Fools but it's a bit like the Miami twice yeah
0: did you like Miami twice? yeah I loved it yeah because that it doesn't go really uh, down that well with a lot of fans I just think what planet are you on that's amazing brilliant it is, it's, um, it's just just so it's such fun but this is a great episode. It is interesting how it centres around Gene. It really grows her character even more, doesn't it? Like, very prominent. Um, yeah. more the Grave has been it's just as funny as the others, definitely. The other characters. Who knows what it would have been like with Mr. swaney But mm. we'll never know. But uh he has a, a few storylines of his own coming up in the series, especially with... Uh, trying to get a date with the kind um, of the episode. I'm trying to think of a name. She's like a nurse, wouldn't she? Um... He has his moments, and he, he'll get some mini storylines. Oh no, exterminating an angel. That's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah, he trashes all the cars. Yeah, all three. Looking forward to reviewing that. But anyway, so how would you rate that episode, Darren? For, for out of all the. For episodes,
1: as I said, for me, for me, that's the best one. So, I you know, as close as 10 out of 10 as you can get, I'd give it that because, like I said, you know, if you if you take something out of this normal situation and put it abroad, it could have easily gone wrong. But, yeah, you've got a good, strong character with Mrs. Warboys, and, and then, it, then it, I like the way it follows on from Chris, her husband, leaving her.
0: Yeah, yeah, they continue that off, they continue where they left off pretty neatly, don't they? It's a good it's reason for them to, to go abroad, yeah. It Works really well. I think what's the highlight of the episode for you? Apart from the uh, I won't do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, uh, this is water, boys. I can't do it. You can't do it. Well, that's a big highlight,
1: yeah. That I suppose, and well, every time you see Mr. Trout get battered, bruised, yeah. burned, I mean, like a bit, like I said before, like in you know, the bottom with Rick Mail, and it's very
0: slapstick. <laughs> I think um, the funniest, trout. funniest Trout moment apart from his rant at Victor was when he was locked in the wardrobe and you hear him yeah. groaning, like, oh, like, he knows he's in for eight hours of nothing, nothingness, yeah. just stood up right. Well, maybe he was able to sit down, I don't know, but... Doing a Meldrum moan? I think it's time, Darren, for a moan.
3: Oh, I do not believe! Will you look at this, bastards? Can you believe the nerve of this? has
0: So what have you got to whinge about today?
1: Well, I've narrowed it down to, to one thing, and it does really annoy me, this. is the fact that we have to charge everything. There's so many different things to charge. You have to charge my yeah. phone, my yeah. laptop. I mean, especially yeah. with the kids, the tablets, even a watch, your Hoover.
0: Everything's got a, a battery that constantly needs to be It feels like my life is on charge. You can rectify the Hoover thing, because I, for years, had a cordless, but you realise you get about six minutes of charge out of it. And you've got, it's yeah, take like hours to get to full power. Go back to uh, well, Henry can't go wrong. Free advertising for Henry, it. but you just can't not. I know it's it's uh, wires everywhere, but it, it it's luxury hoovering or vacuuming even, and knowing that it's not going to run out of charge unless you have a power cut. It's just so, yeah, yeah, that's all I can suggest. The other part that annoys me to that is that
1: everything's got a different charging port. You know, nothing's these connections are different. No universal. Yeah, can we not just have one or two? Yeah, <laughs> for you know, phone, laptop, tablet, everything.
0: But everything's going to have a different port in it. And you, you know, why haven't they created you know? a, a smartphone battery that lasts? Like, if you hammer your phone, you should still feel confident that you've got most of the battery left. But every yeah. the latest flagship phone that comes out, they always brag how their battery is the best that's ever been. But it always ends up being the same kind of. Mm-hmm situation where it just drains if you use too much yeah Your web browser you know, you, too much i used wear. to put it put, put my phone on charge all night but apparently that ruins
1: the battery if you leave it on charge overnight oh, with the,
0: the dash charging isn't really good but so it does run out as quick as well but i put it on charge for the night i, I always think that's probably overheating the battery but the mm. damage is done now because i do it pretty much every other night yeah not a bad major moan it is i think in the world of technology that's the price to pay isn't it a big electric bill for everything we've got to charge up my laptop is a nightmare for the charging port is so weak that if i've got it on my lap it's going to come out just by me sneezing you might have noticed very much blocked compared to the last episode the reason why i say that is because like i said if i had my laptop on my lap like i said if i so much a sneeze the port would probably come out or if i just move it in it's just so weak so it's on the table right now so it's nice and sturdy but it is a pain in the ass it's unbelievable anyway <laughs> Okay, well, Darren, you've been a wonderful guest as ever, returning, doing uh, One Foot in the Grave. I'm sure I'll have you back on again. I've got lots of other guests lined up for all episodes now. Um, I've got a full waiting list, which is nice to say. But time. I'll still be doing one-offs, probably character bios or revisiting episodes uh, from the first couple of series when I was d- doing this on my own. So there's still opportunities to come back on. Plus, we'll keep in touch anyway.
1: Let's see. So, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, it was a, it was a pleasure reviewing my, my favourite episode.
0: Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it. And, um, yeah, Series 4 is done. Victor in the Bath, Comic Relief, Special preceded This, which you would uh, know by now. So I'll open up with Series 5, The Man Who Blew Away, very soon which is technically a Christmas special, so it's not really the start of Series 5. IMDb class it is part of Series 5. But I'll be having none other than John Lush, who runs the, the Monkeys and Dogmen podcast for any Peter K. car share fans. Check it out. But John will be joining me for that episode. Looking forward to that. But yeah, thank you very much, everyone, for listening and sending your reviews and lovely feedback. And I hope you stick with me as i uh, go into series five can't believe it can so quickly all right darren well you take good care and hope you enjoy listening to this back thank you tom cheers everyone so i'm a losing my hair and my spines are beating